powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. You can play pinata picks and minute madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hey everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver on SDPN, the, Sp- the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. I'm your host, Canuck Clay, Clay Emo, and I'm thrilled you are here. Thanks for waiting, I promise. My guest is going to be well worth the wait. He was doing his duties as a reporter, as a as a podcaster, as a vlogger at Crypto.com Arena and trying to cover this kind of strange game that we're going to talk about. A 3-2 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. I know a lot of you Canucks fans don't want this team to be picking up points right now, but we'll get into that with my guests. So if as you're here... Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to SDPN right here. If you're listening on a podcast platform, rate and review. And finally, you can also subscribe to me, Canuck Clay, um, on my YouTube channel here as well. So without further ado, to help me break down this game, I'd love to bring in my guest, Dennis Bernstein. Dennis, welcome. Clay, it's great to be with you after... uh, First things first, Clay. Don't trade Thatcher Demko. (laughs) Hello? Those rumors? We, we won't. Stop. We won't. We won't. Uh, because no. you already traded Keep your him. goalie, so we can't trade him to you. You can. Cal Peterson and, and Alex Turcott. Who says no? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll a talk great, to a great performance by Thatcher Demko tonight. Amazing. Yeah, Certainly. Dennis, we'll get into it. Before we start, can you, th- firstly, thanks for, uh, I, I just telling everyone in the chat that you had to do your post-game duties, interviews, and then you sure. ran up to press row. So can you tell everyone yep. uh, quickly a bit about yourself and where they can find all of your good work? Yeah. Okay. So I'm the senior writer for the fourth period. I host, I don't know, it seems like 20 shows now on Sirius XM, NHL Net Radio. Just kidding. So we do hot stove, our show for fourth period on Saturdays from, let's say it's from Vancouver, it'll be eight to 10 AM Pacific time. Uh, But I also host on the point sitting for Boomer sometimes also work with Steve Boyce. I am uh, the chair of the LA chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So I do vote for the awards. I voted for the awards for about, 10, 12 years now. So, and then I'm based here in Los Angeles. So while I do cover the Kings in particular, I I'd certainly am aware of what's going on in the league, all 32 teams. Awesome. So we're going to pick on that experience. Uh, by the way, where can people follow you on Twitter? It's Dennis TFP, yep. right? FP. Yeah. Like the fourth period. So you can find me also on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you can. I usually am pretty good at interacting with people as long as they're respectful. So yeah, Dennis TFP on, on Twitter is where you can find me usually during games. I'm not, a, I'm not a big live tweeter during games, yeah. like with goals and stuff like that. But if you have questions about any particular team, I'm pretty well versed about all 32 teams. That's so awesome. And when I was looking for someone to join me tonight, Dennis, I, I saw that you, actually join a lot of shows big shows small shows so for yeah. all of us content creators we thank and we appreciate uh, members no like you who, who aren't too big for us smaller folk if you know what i mean agreed absolutely that's how it works clay so i'm happy to be with you i appreciate that so and lastly how long before we get into this game how long have you been covering the kings and being based in la uh since uh well it used to be staples center yep now crypto.com since it's opened in i guess 1999 or, or 2000 so i've covered the, the king the team for over 20 years so right, pretty so, no 
I, I know where all the bodies are buried, Clay. So yeah, for sure. So it's uh, I'm pretty well versed, and and I'm you know some factions of fans love me, some don't, which means I'm probably doing my job. But yeah, I've been around this arena since it's been open. Well, I can already tell that I love you. And funny, I was I can tell everyone in here. Uh, people know in here that my cousin is Dusty Emo, who is a yes. former goaltending coach in the Winnipeg organization and the Kings organization. So when I, I was saying to Dennis, when we were setting things up, okay, I'll meet you after the game, da da da. I said you probably figured out that I'm related to Dusty, and your response to me was. Yeah, there's not a lot of emus in hockey, so I figured there was some sort of relates from family connection for sure. So, uh, yeah, so, but they're happy to, and, and Dusty's very highly thought of through his work here in Los Angeles. So, uh, happy yes. to join you and, and love the family connection. Awesome. Appreciate that, Dennis. Okay, before we get to breaking down this game, uh, first thing, was that second Kings goal kicked in? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. The game's over. What did you think when you saw it? No, I didn't think it was kicked in. I thought it was a good goal. Yeah. So it's simple as that. So, and, you know, Thatcher saved every other shot. So, and was great in the, in the shootout. So I did not think it was kicked in. And, but they just, they couldn't find a way to beat this guy. He was so sharp tonight. And, and you know, early on in, in the first period, because the Kings played a possession game. If you watch this team for the last month, this is what they do. Mm. They control possession. But it looked like a Calgary game to me. That's what Calgary usually does. They outshoot the opposition two to one and weren't losing the game in the overtime. That's what Calgary did again tonight. Uh, it was six five, but yeah, it was uh, not surprising effort by the team. But but it happened once before on the Samson to L.A. Mm. And Kevin Lankinen, who's not certainly Thatcher Demko, yeah. he played a great game. They wound up going uh, to a shootout, losing two to one. So uh, it's it's the second time, and probably because they're missing Kevin Fiala, they're also missing uh, Sean Dersey, two of the more creative players on this team. But uh, it was a uh, Clay. There's something about Vancouver. Uh, that yeah. they have a dispel over the Kings. They the Kings have not beaten Vancouver since 2017. They are 0 8 and 2 what? since 2017. Yep, they they have not beaten them. In, so it's just it's just weird. And they've had better teams, but even let well last game of the season last year the Kings lost. And it was a meaningless game, but they cannot find a way to beat this team. And it's going to be important if the Kings have designs on winning the Pacific. Yep, they played the Canucks two more times in the last 12 games, so it's going to be a very interesting. How it goes up, but again, it was Thatcher, but certainly the two Kings killers on the on Vancouver, yeah, Brock Bezer, who's got 13 goals in 14 games, and uh, and PD always does well against the Kings. Got a power play goal tonight, so the usual suspects beat the Kings tonight for Vancouver. Yes, and it's it's funny you mentioned that you don't live tweet a lot, but every, you tweet with such efficiency, Dennis. That when when you tweet something, you know it means a lot. And yeah, you you said those three things. You said it felt like the Cal a Calgary game, and then you talked about the how how Besser and Pedersen. Uh, forget about Demko for a second. How Mister and Peter yeah. seem to play really well against the Kings. Uh, may, Brock's unbelievable. I mean, they should they should probably trade for those three guys and throw Quinn Hughes in. Just just kidding. But yeah, they they, they find ways. Look, the creativity. Uh, you know, when you're a defensive minded team, and that's what the Kings have shifted into. Like the, the creative players find ways. Now, granted, the first goal was off of Edler's stick. Good to see Alex get a goal against his old team. His first goal ever against his old team, yeah. the Canucks. You know, he played there for 15 seasons. So there was that. But yeah, the, the creative players find ways to to beat the Kings from Vancouver. It's as simple as that. And thankfully, they don't even have Bo, Bo Horvat anymore. Bo was still on the team. It might have been a different story. It might have been a regulation win for Vancouver. It's just something they have a spell over this team. And they'll try to rectify it in the last two games they fade this, this season because they'll be a vital games for them as they try to win the Pacific for the first time in franchise history. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to spend a few minutes on the Kings for sure. Um, and, and sure. get your perspective. I, I'd love to know as a senior writer and, and content creator like yourself, Dennis, are you surprised and we don't have to rehash everything, but are you surprised at the Canucks follies and troubles this season, given the talents on the team, or is it not a surprise for you for whatever reason? 
I don't, you know, Clay, this team plays great when the pressure's off them. Remember last season, like yeah. when after Travis got fired and they were out of it, and they started playing well and they finished two points out of a playoff spot. Same thing happened this year. So I, I think that I, I think the what, why did Tockett come in? Structure. This team needs more structure without question. Defense, look, they need help on the blue line. Yeah. Besides Quinn, but but they need more structure to their game. You haven't seen it yet, but it's going to take it, when you drop somebody in. You know, middle season, if it was Scotty Bowman, it doesn't matter. Like, what happens in the offseason? Like, that's when you get to instill a lot of you systems, figure out who you want on this team because, you know, Alvin and, and Rutherford are going to have big decisions to make in the offseason. So, uh, it's not surprising, but, but again, I, I think it takes more than a, like a handful of games under Rick Taka to say, okay, this team certainly needs more structure and need to be better defensively because they have skill players. Kuzmenko has been fantastic for this team. Yep. Like he's really come in and, and done well. There is offensive skill and Beauvillier got a new life. There is skill on this team, but the back end. Now, if Thatcher Demko is going to play this way for the rest of, of this season and next, then you feel better about the net. But again, it's the blue line that you have to fix in Vancouver. That that's the key. If if they can fix that, get better structuring and get better players, frankly, in the blue line, yeah. they've got a bunch of chance because the West really isn't that strong. So look, do I think they're gonna bounce back all the way? I can't tell you because I need to see the roster in training camp. But at least there are skilled players that make when they don't win, it's still it's entertaining for the Vancouver fans. Yeah, no, great points, Dennis. And it's funny you mentioned the blue line. Yeah, you're right. We have Demko, we have enough uh skilled forwards up front. But then we're waiting for Philip Ronick to, to get healthy and yep. and and that trade. And I love your perspective on it. It was interesting because prior to that, Dennis, the Canucks were making a bunch of small moves that seemed to make sense. They got Kratzov, they got rid of Stillman, mm-hmm. they picked up this draft pick. So all these little yep. um, kind of small, imma- not immaterial, but incremental moves. And then they they mm-hmm. blast out two draft picks for Ronick. Obviously, they think he's going to be their right shot D man for yeah. years to come. Mm-hmm. But when you saw that, were you, can you say, okay, uh, I'll give out. Alvin Rutherford a bit of a pass because I see where they're going or does this fly in the face of what they were doing the the week prior? No, I think I think it, it's more head scratcher for Detroit than, yeah. than for Vancouver because you would have thought he would have been part of the solution in Detroit. Steve Robinson thought otherwise, so they moved on from him. I think it could be a nice hit. Is he going to change the paradigm with respect to their defense? No. Could be part of the solution. I, I think the guy two years ago can. Like the guy this season, not so much. That's why he's not in Detroit anymore. So you're 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 betting on a bounce back. And sometimes you have to trade futures for existing talent. I I know it's hard to do because you think, okay, you either want to go one way or the other. Because here's the thing, Clay, you know this. Being mediocre in this league is death. You either get really bad or really good. So for Vancouver fans saying, okay, why do we trade for a decent player because we want to be really bad? Like that's that's another story. So I don't think it's a bad move. It depends on which Philip Ronick shows up. Mm. If it's a guy from two years ago. It's a good trade. Guy last year, not so much. But again, it's a bet that they're making on because they, they had to rebuild the blue line. This is one step. It's not going to finish the steps, obviously. But I think he can be part of the solution. It's like, you know, a middle-of-the-order defensive guy, not a top-pair guy, but, you know, a 3-4-5 guy. Yeah, maybe you overpaid a little bit. But again, you have to pay attention to get this blue line better. That's probably the first step, certainly not the last uh, for the front office. I love that. And one more question, Dennis, before we get into the Kings specifically. On the Sportsnet Hockey Night broad, uh, Hockey Night Canada broadcast, they showed a really yeah. neat stat because there's obviously you know there's been a lot of talk in Vancouver rebuild, retool, all these kind of sure. things. Will the fans accept it? Blah blah blah. Then they showed a really nice stat of all the things, all the moves that the Kings have done, especially since 2019 on Jeff Carter yeah. out, blah blah blah, and then yep. all the moves with Dano and Kempi and and drafting Florida, all those things. So sure. uh, would you say in the past eight to nine years? The Kings did a retool, rebuild, and do you think they've done it 
well, proof is in pudding, but have they done it well? They have, because remember, three years ago, and it was a shortened season, but they you, you projected over 82 games for a 71-point total. Ooh. So they went from 71 to 99, to right now they're on pace for 107. Did they do it right? Yep. And there's a lot of fans here. There's a faction of fans that think Tom McCollum can't coach and wanted Rob Blake fired. But every move they've made, like with respect to the front office, everything's worked so far. Yeah. Look, look, Philip the no, and and the keys were not even this season. Getting Fiala was a no-brainer. That was a great trade. First round pick, Brock Brock Faber, who might be a good player in this league. Fiala changed the paradigm of this team. But go back before that. People thought they overpaid for Phil Deneau. They haven't overpaid for Phil Deneau. Mm-hmm. People said, oh, Victor Arvidsson's always injured and he's not a 30-goal scorer anymore. Well, yeah, he got injured in the playoffs. He's not a 30-goal scorer, but he's a key part. He's a hustler. He always shoots. He's got a shooter's mentality. He'll score 20 to 25. And then you're patient with Gabe Velarde. I was one of the biggest critics of Gabe because he's playing out of position. Mm. He wasn't fast enough to be a center in this league, to be a 2C. I said, put him on the right wing. He'll be Tyler Toffoli. And what does he look like this year? He looks like Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> so there's been patience. There's been right moves. There's been a couple of good traits. Um, so, yeah, they've done it right. Now, are they good enough? To, and here's the dilemma with this team. They could be anybody in the West. Right? They could be beat by anybody in the West. Mm. And the, the key is Colorado. What's Colorado? Are they ever going to be fully healthy? Georgiev's played two goals, uh, two games in the playoffs. Really don't know. But again, they had Darcy Kemper last year to win. So the Kings have done this correctly. And look, I wanted them to be more aggressive. Mm. I wanted to trade for Jacka. I wanted them to, to get um, uh, Jeff, uh, Jacob Chikrin. Um, didn't work out. But again, when you're a 107-point team and now you're tied for first with Vegas, Vegas has a game in with 12 games left. Yep, the retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, was good. Because Clay, three years ago, this was a bad team. Yeah. This was a team, and it was also about, not about the players on the ice, it's about attitude. You'd come to a game here, it'd be 2 nothing against Toronto in the first five minutes, and you knew the game was over. <laughs> it was over. You could just tell this team wasn't good enough. The attitude wasn't there. It's changed. They're really good defensively now. They've got better goaltending. So, yeah, they've done it right here, and hopefully it's sustainable because it's still a relatively young team, you know, except for Kopitar and Daddy, who's, you know, played a lot obviously, but the rest of them are 28, 27, 28, and some guys like Quentin Byfield, who we're still waiting on, and Gabe Velarde are still younger players. And again, Adrian Kepi, here's another guy yep. who's playing at center for a long time, for three or four seasons. He was a 12 to 14 goal scorer. They put him on the wing, they kept him with Kopitar, a patient, and now he's turned into this 35 to 40 goal scorer. So there's some luck involved, but some really smart moves by Rob Blake to get them to this point. Awesome. I, actually, I lied, Dennis. I got one last question before we turn it over to sure King's Cup. Uh, so, well, it's sort of the same thing. When they were going through this rebuild, especially after that shortened season, did they say anything to fans like, hey, be, just be patient, or hey, this is what we're doing? Or was it pretty obvious how quickly and swiftly they moved what they were doing? No, they came out with a the plan, in quotes. Luke Robitaille wrote it saying, we have a plan to get this team back to contention. Yeah. And again, it was about their core. At, at that time, Quick was still a good coach, but it was about Brown and Kopitar and Dowdy. And that's what you need, Clay, and any team. You need, you need a core four or five that you have identified and say, how can we get to a championship level? But let's identify the core. They stick with the older core. Yeah. And again, they've added around. So that, that that's what they've done at this point in time. And I don't think it's it's a surprise, but they did go to the fans and say, hey, look, we're in the midst of reimagining the team. They never used the word rebuild, mm. retool, reimagine, whatever. That's like marketing. I don't know. But, but but it was a situation where they had to change things. They had to get younger. They had to get quicker. Um, they're still not a very big team, and that's one of the criticisms of this team. There's not a lot of size on the blue line. Right. That's why Gavrikov trade was key. 
But again, it, it can be done within the space of two to three years if you identify your core. And I think that's what Alvin and Rutherford have to do. Like, who is the core? Is J.T. Miller part of this core? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uses Patterson is Brock. You've heard so many rumors about Brock. You can't think he's the he's part of the core. So it's going to be interesting who they need to identify as this core, and then they can add parts from there. Wow, awesome, awesome insight. And yeah, I would say it's Demko, it's PD, it's Hughes, it's Kuzmenko, and it's uh, actually it's JT Miller at once July first kicks in, and it's no trade. Yes, of course, in, yeah. right. <laughs> okay, that is awesome, Dennis. Wonderful insight. Uh, you're not going to get kicked out of the, that room that you're in or anything, are you? Not yet. No, no, I'm 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 a big dog here. It's it's fine. They'll leave me alone. It's, All right, we've got a big dog fun. in LA. We've got a small dog Oof. here in Richmond, <laughs> Vancouver. We are going good. So let's get to our second segment now. This is what I want to know. I. I Two questions to start off, Dennis. Who do you think yeah. the Kings are going to end up playing in the first round? And who is the best matchup? So right now, they're fighting with Vegas for top. Edmonton's kind of sneaking up. They're playing, playing well as well. And let's mm-hmm, just presume, yeah. we can't tell who's going to win the conference, but let's presume, for, for instance, that Seattle ends up playing in the Pacific for the wild card as well. So let's say there's okay. LA, there's Vegas, there's Edmonton and Seattle. Who should the Kings match up with? Who will they? And who comes out of that division, those four teams? Well, I think the division's going to be decided. And and look, Edmonton's playing really well, but I still don't trust Stuart Skinner. He comes up with these games sometimes, so I'm not sure. But I think it comes down to that April 6th game, which is going to be delicious because it's the Kings going into Vegas. Mm. I would think Jonathan Quick's going to play that game. He probably told Butch Cassidy that, hey, look, you could take a crane. You're not getting me out of that crease. I'm playing in that game. It probably comes down to that. So if, it, if they find a, find a way, and they have played well in Vegas. They, one of the best games they played earlier in the year. They can find a way to win the division. Uh, I would think they would want a team like Seattle. Because Seattle, again, they lost in overtime last game. They, they've backed up. And, and the goal scoring that they've had is kind of dried up. So if you want to criticize Ronnie Francis at the deadline for not making an additional move, you could probably criticize it on the boy they're playing. I think that would be the matchup. Yep. What, I, what I would like to see, I want to see a rematch between Edmonton and, and L.A. Now, that would mean that Vegas would have to win the division. Edmonton uh, might be L.A. home for, for, for Game 7, might be Edmonton. But, again, the Kings aren't afraid of Edmonton because they know they can outplay them five on five. And they probably have the better goalie in that either if it's Copley or Corpusala, which is still to be determined. So I think the best matchup would be one of the two wildcard teams because yep. Vegas is, you know, Clay, I'll give Vegas a lot of credit. A lot of guys hurt. The heart and soul of that team, Mark Stone, is not coming back. They've gone through five. You know, usually when you go through five goalies, you have a bad season. Well, this team might win the division with five goalies, and that's that's a testament to Cassie, the coaching job he's done. And, and they're not Jack Conklin, because Jack hasn't been great, but it's been guys like Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio who used to play here. Yep. It's their shock troops. It's, their, it's, the, it's the guys that, not even the top line, but the guys like, Four through 12 on the forward line have been great. They've reunited that Golden Misfits line of Carlson, Marcheseau, and Smith. So it's going to be tough. So, look, the Kings could beat anybody. I gave them a puncher's chance to get out of the division. And if it's not Colorado, but it's Dallas or, or it's Minnesota, they could beat those teams. I'm not sure. And I hesitate because I don't know what Colorado is going to be when we get to game 83, how healthy they're going to be yeah. and how they're going to respond to playing a lot of hockey. But – Again, I think the best matchup would be a team like Seattle. Edmonton certainly better with Ekholm and Alana. Vegas is really, really tough. They don't quit on games. So I, I think that watching these teams play, the best – and certainly Winnipeg. I think they could beat Winnipeg because Winnipeg, no Cole Porfetti, yeah. a little bit banged up. And I, I don't think they're as, as solid defensively, even with Josh Norrissey mm-hmm. uh, going for the uh, – well, he won't win the, the Norris, but certainly I think the best matchup would be one of these two wildcard teams. Other than that, if they play – 
uh, Edmonton or Vegas, you're looking at a six or seven game series between the, uh, the Kings and any of those two teams. I love what you said. You said uh, probably a better chance playing against a Seattle or uh, a Winnipeg in a first round, you know, if they win the division and play wild card, but a very intriguing yeah. matchup against Edmonton. And all we want to see is, is Vegas and, and LA play eventually, whether it's first round or second round, yeah. likely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Were there any rumors or rumblings about uh, quick being moved prior to the trade deadline? Well, here, here's the thing. There weren't. So this was, but, but, and I know there were a lot of people upset here, and certainly John was upset here because he said it was kind of taken by surprise. Well, here's the thing Jonathan Quick asked for a two year extension in the summertime, and the King said, mm, All right, we'll, we'll think about it. At, at that point, John should have said, Okay, th- there's a possibility here, even though I'm the best goaltender in franchise history, I'm going to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, I've won the Conn that I might not finish my career in Los Angeles. He should have come to that realization. Now, what the Kings didn't do was one or two things the Kings should have done. Like, they didn't decide the day before Jonathan Quick got traded that he was going to get traded. Mm-hmm. Probably a week he got pulled out of a game in New York. He didn't play well. They lost 5-2. A- at that point, Blake or somebody from the ho- front office say, hey, look, your save percentage is 875. Something might happen by the trade deadline. You either do that or the way it went down, Rob was here in Los Angeles kind of brainstorming with his, with his team for the trade deadline. So he wasn't on a plane. He wasn't in, in, in Winnipeg. He called him up and said, hey, by the way, thanks for all the great years that you've had in Los Angeles. You're going to get your jersey retired. But we just traded you to a last place team in the Eastern Conference that plays in Ohio. You can't do both those things. And Rob said it. He was transparent. He was on a Zoom call saying it could have been handled better. So if one of those things should have happened. So in October, was Jonathan Quick getting traded? No. Did I bet on it? Yep. But again, when... They had no confidence in this guy. Todd McClellan lost confidence. Hucks were getting through him for goals that shouldn't have been getting through him, that would never get through him five, six years ago. Yeah. He had a great run last season, late season. He was great in the playoffs. This season, there was just no confidence. And what happened was, it's not just Jonathan Quick. You couldn't depend on Cal Peterson. Same thing with Cal. Pucks were getting through Cal. He lost his confidence. He got put on waivers. He was down in the He's still down in the AHL. So you could have held on to Jonathan Quick if Cal hadn't faltered. But since Cal faltered, if I had told you the Phoenix Copley is going to win 20 games for this team in October, you would say, I'm doing this podcast drunk because that was never happening. Like this guy had played, I don't know, less than 100 games in the NHL and he's he helped save their season. Granted, the team's playing way better now. But no, I, I, nobody saw the Jonathan Quick trade. Even when it was announced when Elliot Friedman tweeted it, I'm like, wow, that's... It takes a lot of balls, actually, because it, you know the fan reaction to trading a guy like Jonathan Quick. It, it's not going to be good. But again, they needed an upgrade. And right now, Corpusello, even though he lost in the shootout to Demko tonight, is an upgrade over Jonathan Quick right now in the moment. Mm, oh, well, so good. You're so good, Dennis. And Peterson always holds a, a special, is probably too strong of a word, but I'm always intrigued because my cousin Dusty got to work with Cal in, yeah. in Ontario, of course, uh, with the Ontario Reign. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. So Peterson is still playing for Ontario then? Yeah, he's yeah. He got put on waivers. Nobody claimed them. They yeah. get a, like a million dollars off the cap now. Yeah, it's it's past the trade down, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, he and they haven't given up on him. They 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 at least publicly they say, look, you know, he's going down to address some technical part of his game, work on it. It's obviously his stats are better because he's playing the AHL. I mean, who goes down to the AHL for the AHL and plays worse? Nobody does. So his numbers are better. But again, he's going to get another shot because he's under contract for two more seasons at five million dollars. And I mentioned all the great things that Rob like did. Maybe the one misgiving that he probably has is given what was really an unproven goalie a three-year deal at five million dollars per. Right, they're stuck with him, but but they still believe in at least they're saying that because 
Obviously, there's no interest in him right now. Who would trade for a guy making $5 million a year who's sitting in the AHL? But he's still down there working on his game. Maybe he gets recalled before the end of the season, works a couple of games if they clinch and there's nothing to get his confidence back. But it, it's, it, I think a lot of what Cal is, certainly it's a technical part of his game, as to adjust, but I think a lot of it's in his head. I just think it's a guy who's lost his confidence and needs to regain it over the offseason. Yeah. Wow, wow. I got one more question, but before that, I, I love what you said about the whole, when we started, saying the Canucks, for whatever reason, their their mastery over the Kings. Yeah, I was at that first game that Boudreaux coached last year, and you probably remember this. It was a 4 yeah. nothing Canucks win yep. over the Kings, a shutout, actually, mm-hmm. um, back back in whatever, December of 2021. It, that, that's fascinating, because you look at where the two teams are in the standings, and, and you wouldn't think yeah. that. Okay, so tell us, tell me, Dennis, give me three reasons why the Kings have been on this heater in the past three weeks, three, four weeks. Uh, the trade, and it's not just Cor- – Gavrikov has been fantastic for them. They gave him size. It, it really – and I love Sean Durrance. He's a really good kid, and um, he, he's creative. He's really a third-pair defenseman mm. on this team, on the right side. He's been playing the off, and because they couldn't find they, – they, and they were chasing Jacob Chicken for a long time because their left side after Mikey Anderson – the beginning of the season, Sean Walker was going to be the guy to stand in. And I raised my eyebrow saying, okay, Sean's a right defenseman. I guess he's played the left side. But you could see early on, coming back from an ACL and an MCL tear, it was just too much for Sean. Sean's back on the third line. They really didn't have that left side defender. Gavrikov's big. He can move. He's surprisingly uh, aggressive offensively, which when you heard about Gavrikov, all you heard was a big, tough, stay-at-home defenseman. He's been great. He solidified that second pair with Matt Roy. And Matt Roy has nine goals, and nobody ever thought that Matt Roy, seventh-round draft pick, would ever have close to 10 goals in the NHL, but he's got a really hard shot. Yeah. So that solidified things. And what happened also was that – and Todd made a great point. Early in the season, this team was trying to score to win. Now they're playing to win, hmm. which is different. So you, they take less risk. There's way less risk in the game. And part of it is Kevin Fiala does take a lot of risk. Love the player. He's going to – he, he may be the first guy to break the string of Kopitar being the leading scorer on this team, but he plays risky and sometimes yeah. turnovers turn into two on ones. This team is now committed to playing the right way when they have a close, when there's a close game, they don't blow the, the leads that they blew in the first half. of the At some point it had to click in, I guess when the coaches keep harping on you to be more responsible defensively and not take less risk out of the game. When they take risks, it's smarter risks. That's mm. what Todd said. That that's one of the differences that they've been way better defensively, and they now have scores. Like when Kevin Fiala is healthy, you have Fiala and Velarde on the third line. Wow. They're first line players on some players. Now Kevin sometimes hard to play with, so there wasn't really a lot of meshing with Kopitar and Kempe. So that was part of it. But when you got guys like Fiala and Velarde on the third line, and you have a guy like uh, tonight, Carl Grunstrom. He's got nine goals on the fourth line. That yep. They have put together uh, three lines that are dangerous offensively because uh, Deneau, Arvidsson, and now Trevor Moore, who's been back from injury, has helped. And then the top line, obviously, with Adrian Kempe, who's a, now a 35-40 to 40 goal scorer. It, it's depth along the forward wall, but they are far more responsible defensively. And I think that's the key because I think it's now eight straight games, even though they lost tonight in the shootout, that they've given up two goals or less. You're going to win a lot of games in this league when you do that. Well, I feel so much smarter, man, just, just just listening to you for the last 25 minutes. Okay, for real, last question. What's uh, one weakness or one concern you would have for the Kings going down this home stretch into the playoffs? Uh, I would say that their lack of size in general, when they play a more physical team like a Calgary or Vegas, that, that could be an issue. 
Uh, and the third pair has been an adventure. But again, what, cha- what, what team doesn't have challenges on a third pair? So like Alex Edler, great guy in the room, loves playing here, played one more season after playing last year. Like, he, he can't play more than 15 minutes a night, and he can't play every game down the stretch. So that's it. And so there's a rotation of Walker, Edler, and uh, Spen- uh, Spence now has come up. Jordan Spence has come up from the A, and Sean Dursey when he's healthy. That third pair, I would see teams attacking him. They don't handle the puck that great. So I would think the more deathful players. But again, that may not be an issue until they get to a division or a conference final. So there's not a lot of weakness. And again, when you when you're this good defensively and you're what eight zero and seven zero and one or seven zero and two over the last nine, there's not a lot to criticize. Uh, I, I would think that their power play is certainly not as creative without Jersey and Fiala because McClellan mentioned it. They play on both. Um, one plays on one unit, one plays on the other. So you lost creativity on both sides. So the, the power play is lacking a little bit. It's still fifth or sixth in there. But so I, I think fully when they're fully healthy, um, they're a more dangerous team. So I, I think at that point, so a lack of size. And again, in the playoffs, although Corpus Allo did save 85, they have 85 saves in a in a postseason game, that five overtime game, he didn't win the game. And Copley, if you go with Copley, he really has no track record in the playoffs. So is this team, can they sustain this level of play when they play O'Connor McDavid or they play Vegas that goes four deep? So yeah. it's going to be really interesting, but they're on the right track right now. They are a far better team over the last month, and they are a dangerous team. They could easily emerge from the West. They, they really couldn't. People laughed at me when I said that a month ago, that it could win the division. They're right there. Yep. Vegas has one game in hand. So, again, their structure has been way better. They're, they're playing, there's less risk in their game. And, again, they can be a dangerous team in the playoff if the power play responds and they can uh, not get outsized by certain teams. Well, Dennis, I'm I'm not joking here. I think I've learned so much today that I'm going to root for the King. Obviously, our Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs, so I might have to switch my allegiance uh, King Clay, just for just for two months or so. Cannot Clay, can, we'll figure it out. But yes, well, Dennis, Vancouver fans don't love you for that one, Clay. You might, might you might want to be careful on that. Yeah, one. I think I better cut that yeah. out from the from the final. So, exactly. Dennis, you were you were awesome. Thank you for staying late. Thank you for uh, teaching sure. this dog a few new tricks. But I appreciate it. one more time. Can you tell everyone where they can uh, catch all your work? Yeah, thefourthbeard.com on Twitter, Dennis TFP, um, SiriusXM. Uh, Pacific time, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Saturdays on the hot stove, but also I also host on The Point, sitting in for Boomer. I also sit in with uh, Steve Coolius on The Power Play, which is on from noon to 3 Eastern, so you can catch me. I don't hide, so you can find me. If you want to ask me questions on Twitter, I'm pretty uh, pretty re- reactive and responsible to uh, coming back for questions and stuff like that, so that's where you can find me most days. Awesome, and you got back to me within half an hour this morning, and we made this all work. So, Dennis, Thank you for your time. I look forward to following a lot of your work and good luck to your Kings the rest of the season. Thanks for having me on, Clay. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. All right. Take care. Thank you. That, my friends, was Dennis. It's It's March Media Media at Sports Sports Interaction. NHL. Still figuring out the tech tech here. Dennis was awesome. He was so good and uh, (laughs) so much info in there, but such a great communicator. And I learned, truly, I learned so much about the LA Kings there. Um, so yeah, uh, so grateful that he was able to join me. So let's, for the last five minutes or so, I would like to take any questions from you in the chat, whether something that Dennis said, something you noticed from the game, I won't go for too long, just three or four minutes here. Um, so let me know, type something in the chat, whether it was, it was, um, an affirmation for Dennis or, or something, an affirmation for Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, 
JT Miller, whatever you want, those were among the best players for the Canucks. And uh, and talk to me. I, I know many of you aren't happy when the Canucks are picking up points. Like, they just knocked off the second best team by points in the in the entire Western Conference. So it's weird how we can lose to a team like Arizona and not look that good on Thursday. And then actually, what am I saying? We didn't look that good today until the last little bit. So let me know. Let me know what you think. I'll answer a few questions before I go tonight. Shannon says, John and John said the LA were going all over players like Miller, Petey, and a couple others as they knew they were playing really hard for the Canucks. Yeah, they're, n- not all the Canucks players were going tonight, so that's why the Kings probably did focus in on the Millers and the Petys and the Hughes, and they still um, they still emerged with decent games, although kind of went missing for the second period for a second straight game. Fangirl, were you surprised about the effect of the Canucks tonight to play? Uh, yeah, I was affected that we were so ineffective then I was I was surprised at uh, how efficient we were when we tied up the game um, uh, on that power play in the second in the third period, and then um, once it got to overtime, I thought that we had all the better chances, and I wasn't surprised that the Canucks ended up winning the game. Quite frankly, I wasn't right after Petey scored that power play goal in the third. I kind of I, I don't know for sure, but I had a feeling that the Canucks would indeed pull this one out. I'm not sure what uh, Sniper's uh, comment was uh, talking about, so that's okay. (laughs) And yes, if you aren't sick of me yet, I have game over tomorrow as well. So I I take a lot of the weekend ones, give Kaya and Sam a break. So my next show for game over will indeed be tomorrow night as the Canucks play in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. So I hope you can join me. After tomorrow night's game, we'll see if it's another extra time game. In the meantime, on your way out, make sure you subscribe to this channel, SDPN. Oh, by the way, fangirl, will we see McDonough in Anaheim? I have a feeling they will. Sednika to me wasn't that effective. I would take Sednika or DiGiuseppe out, and, or maybe both, and put McDonough and Kratzov back in. But I do think we see McDonough tomorrow. Okay, now I'll wrap up. So tomorrow night, game over Vancouver. Vancouver against the Ducks. On your way out, subscribe to this channel, SDPN. Like the video. You can also subscribe to me, Canuck Clay, right here on YouTube. And yes, I will see you tomorrow night after the conclusion, at the conclusion of the Canucks-Ducks game. Once again, my thanks to Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period for joining me. So informative and so insightful. And I'm sure you guys got a lot out of his commentary as well. So as always... Thanks for being here. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And I know you heard, uh, those of you that live in Vancouver, there's a kidnapping kidnapping at a, at a school yesterday, but it, it's okay because he woke up. Take care, and go Canucks go. Good night. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.